It's a pop-top. I don't, it just doesn't have the same effect. It, it, well, it's not the right beer. Hello again, and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rubel. Nice, that's how it's properly done. Every other Wednesday, this man and I bring you a true crime podcast about people in and around the music business and their misadventures in law-breaking. If you like music history, crime history, murder mystery, and more, check us out everywhere you get your podcast or any social medias or hit us up at our home base, crimeandmusic.com. And just let everybody know, um, Brian and I will have a couple adult beverages during the show sometimes. Sometimes. Actually, not a not, few. Not always. This is it, new. <laughs> well, it's not new. It's just bring it back a little bit. Bring it but back. But we're not. I mean, what? We did. We don't always do. We usually do two episodes in a sitting. Oh, my God. Just show them everything. No, I'm, but that's fine. <laughs> it's too, yeah, and, we batch, we batch so, episodes. We batch yeah. them up. Right. And so what? You got your number. This is our second episode we did. Yes. We just got done doing the... um. Nah, we won't. I don't know. Crimed heat. Canned farts. What was it? It's the heat, baby. Sterno. Sterno canned heat. <laughs> and you had a beer, and this is your second beer? Yes. And I'm on my third beer, and I'm just drinking light beer. Well, yeah. You got the lights there. Yeah. I mean, we're not... And that's three beers in four hours is not too bad. It's enough to loosen us up. Nah, it's... it's to talk beer. to you, the people. Yeah. Well, we need... I need uh, I need a little liquid, liquid um, encouragement. <laughs> the only way I can get through an episode. Wow. No, no, I... Having a beer. I like it. And just it's relaxing. Good. It's right. good for us on a nice, uh, wonderful day out here in uh, Michigan land, outside of the Motown area. Oh, man, I can't wait until it starts getting warm again. I we had a couple warm days. We've had a couple pre-springs. The pontoon cast is coming, everybody. The pontoon well, cast is I'll coming. I'll see it when I'm on the pontoon. I can't can wait I, for you. Can I fish while we talk? Oh, absolutely. Okay. We are going to be doing all the lake activities while we talk and walk and fish. And, I, and I tried to ice fish a couple week, a week and a half ago. It was cold. It was cold. I mean, I know ice fishing. It's so cold. <laughs> How are you? No, it was it was extra extra cold. Yeah. Yeah. It, we didn't catch. We caught some fish. Sun sunfish. Sunfish. Some sunfish. There you go. And some walleyes. I gotta give all my walleye to my buddy Adam though. He eats the walleyes. He's never had a walleye. Oh, it's good. He's gotta have a walleye. Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm going to buy cod today. Cod. I want some cod. I want some fried cod. That's a good one. Man. Yeah, just fried cod, man. I'm hungry. Working on so that you get a, a cod piece then. Oh yeah, like a piece of cod. Yeah, yeah, a cod, a cod piece. <laughs> you're an idiot. Ha ha! Am I? Or am I a genius? All right, let's see if you're a genius on this week's guess the guest. All right, last last one. You said I knew him. I didn't know him. I thought you would know the he, quintessential Woodstock rock band theme. Can't heat. I'm sorry. Going up the country. Huh. I'm not going to, you know, a lot of times I'll say things like, oh, maybe I'll listen to them on the way home. I'm not <laughs> listening don't. to Can't Heat. Nah. You should have listened to, who is that Alabama one? Arkansas. Black Oak, Arkansas. You should have listened to that. I, That's a good band. I, I actually tried to look them up on YouTube. I was driving. That was the problem. Yeah. And yeah. I kept getting not them. Don't YouTube and drive. No, YouTube and driving's hard. We're cutting into your time here. Okay. No, okay. I got Ready? This. Ready? Yes, guess the yes. guess. Yeah, you All should. Right. You you have heard of this guy. This person came up in our. Guy. Nailed it. All Sorry. right. Damn it. Fine. All right. Guess the guest. Okay. Nicknames Flash B. Flash B. I'm already at a probably a rapper. Uh, the King of New Jack Swing. King of New Jack Swing. Yep. Okay. Nippy. Nope. Triple B. Bobby Brown. <gasps> oh my God! He got it! I, I don't it? believe how he got Woo! it! Yay! How did you do that so quickly? Yep. Well, I was. You said Triple B, so I'm thinking of of you know R&B artists with a B's. B's. 
Yeah, Bobby least, Brown. Least okay, two. let's go All with Bobby right. Brown. Well, you got that. You did it. And the other one I was going to give you is one of the founders of New Edition and Mr. Whitney Houston. I would have gotten the Mr. Whitney I, Houston. That's but the I New Edition, I don't, I don't associate him with them. No, well, that's where he started. We'll get there. I All know. Right. right, but I don't. You you could say, hey, who's the notorious person? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. February 5th, 1969, <laughs> born Robert Beresford Brown in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, it's Bobby Brown. Yeah, he was born in 1969. Uh, okay, where at? Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Okay. Okay. I don't think he had the accent quite like Mark Wahlberg did. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, Bobby grew up actually in Roxbury neighborhood of Boston, sort of in the Orchard Park Projects. Ooh, Roxbury, yeah. Roxbury is one of 23 official neighborhoods of Boston. The city states that Roxbury serves as, quote, the heart of black culture in Boston, end quote. Roxbury has been referred to as, quote, the Bronx of Greater Boston and the coal and the crown of the Boston towns. Okay. Hey, the, so the project, he is, he is born, he's deep in the streets. It's famous for its Long John Silver's restaurant, one of few still in existence in New England. Oh, I thought you were seeing the world. I'm like, we got one in Flint, man. I, 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 I want to go there. I like them. <laughs> I took a girl that I used to date to them every Friday in Lent. Oh, Go dude. They had all-you-could-eat fish and hush puppies and french fries. Been to LJS, man. I get oh, it. Oh, yeah. She did it. She got so sick of it. I think that's why we broke again, up. Again, Ben. Again. Her dad thought it was hilarious. Hey, my father-in-law, by the way, of my current wife. <laughs> no, he grew sure. up in the projects. Oh, in right Detroit. On. Yeah. Okay. Right I mean, on. white dude. Right? Yeah, yeah, Ron's white. <laughs> no, he grew up in the projects, and we still go by the area every once in a while. He's like, I grew up right over there. Yep, projects. They, they're still there. They're now just like, they look like townhomes. Your father is Ron White? He is white. <laughs> <laughs> and his name's Ron. He, he was born a poor black man, though. Well, Roxbury is uh, older than you think. It's one of the first towns founded in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1630. They've been around for since 1630. That's it. But yeah, now see the Orchard Park Projects has not. It was built in 1941. It's a 350 unit, three story brick complex. Uh, it was demolished in 1998 due to crime problems. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So no, no. Robert did not grow up in the greatest of neighborhoods. In the 1960s, Orchard Park was very diverse, but by 1970, the majority of the complex were low income black families. When racial tensions in the area began to rise in the early 1970s, the Boston public school system began busing black kids from Orchard Park to other white-filled housing projects in South Boston. So they're, like, shipping them around. You know how they shuffle yeah, schools and stuff um, like that. I'm a little mixed on that practice. I get it. I get it, man. I get it. Funding? I just, it's, it's, it's tough to... Um, well, let's not talk about that. This led to more riots, crime problems, and the Boston housing developments. Local juvenile gangs began to form from protection from other rival gangs. So during the mid to late 80s, crack cocaine dealers from New York began to move into the Orchard Park projects. The most well-known drug dealer was this guy, Daryl God Whiting. Uh, that God. Brian, by the way, put God in quotes, air quotes on that one. Well, I don't know that Daryl's actually God. So. I'm going to go with he's probably not God. He, he introduced could be God. He, but I don't <laughs> He introduced crack to the area, so some people thought, hey, man, this guy sent me flying. He might oh, be God. I oh see my, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Whiting set up shop in Orchard Park and later became the biggest drug lord in Boston, operating on what they call Bump Road. Go get your bump. Bump, bump, know. yeah. August 1996, Orchard Park is set for demolition. The buildings were finally just razzed uh, 1998 and replaced with a $159 million development called Orchard Gardens in 1999. It was at a nice development. Uh, 
People get mad about that. 160 mil, yeah, probably. People get mad about that when they take a low, um, uh, a deprived, low-income part of a neighborhood. Right. And then they'll have a bunch of, um, you know, investors come in, buy it up. Right. Those people that live there have to go somewhere. Right. Okay, and they're not bringing a big bag of money with them because they never got paid that much for the houses that they sold. Yeah, no, no, no They got to go somewhere. And then the developer will turn this thing into a beautiful place yep. and charge 10, 20-fold the amount that he bought it for. Can't possibly afford to live there, right. And these people can never come back and move into the community that they were originally part of. And so we're then they have to go somewhere. So not only are they mad they can never get back where they started, right? but then there's a lot of other people who are like, well, you moved them to mine. I don't. There's a bunch of crack dealers in my neighborhood now. Just, why don't you leave them where they're at? And we're like, well, that was right by the, the new um, LCA arena. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Real estate's turning over, and it's much more valuable now. And you can't afford to live here. That's how <laughs> the Illiches made their money. Oh God, it it's is. a beautiful arena, though. I'll it tell is. You. No, you're right. They've been doing it for years. Bobby had some parents. Uh, Carol Elizabeth Williams. Carol. And she was a substitute teacher. Herbert James Brown, that was his dad. He was a construction worker. Bob was one of eight children. Mm. He was the penultimate kid. Penultimate? The second to last. Seventh. He was the seventh kid. He had some uh, siblings, Tina, Leola, Carolyn, a.k.a. Coop, Tommy, Derek, and Elizabeth, a.k.a. Bethy. Bethy. Hey. Hey. My sister-in-law's name Elizabeth, and we call her Bethy. I have heard that. Already Bethy. 1972, age three, Bob gets his first taste of being on the stage. His mom sets him down on stage during a James Brown concert at Boston Sugar Shack. And so young Bob is up there, does a two-minute impromptu dance, brings down the house. People are like, oh, look at that little kid dance. Bethy will only come over if I make pizza, though. I see. I feel used. Okay. I I got nothing for that. She's using you for pizza. That's pretty much what's happening. I'm just her pizza pimp. Jeez. All right, go ahead. Quote from Bob about being on stage back when he was three. He's like, I just strutted around to the music ever since I liked being on stage. Okay. Bob joins the church choir. He's recognized and develops his singing ability. As a boy, he resorted to stealing from stores. He was also involved in gangs and was even shot during a, in the, he got shot in the knee during a fight. Oh, he did get shot. Yeah. You got to have a little, that's a little street. Did you ever steal when you were young? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got a good story? No. no. Yeah, we did. I, I, I feel bad. How about bad. yourself? <laughs> I feel bad for every, every bit we ever did. Yeah, me too. I it felt real so bad. It was so stupid. I, was like, ah, I don't, I, it was sport. It was sport. Correct. It wasn't good sport. It was no. bad sport. It was so right. stupid. It was um, not smart. I never just went into a store and put something in my pocket and walked out. That, for me, and for everybody listening, it's all wrong, what I'm about to say. Everything's wrong. <laughs> it's all stealing. It's all equally bad. What are you going to say? But when I was that age, I somehow justified switching tags by saying, well, I'm not stealing it. I'm just creating my own discount. Just paying less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we would. We'd switch a tag on an item for That's a cheaper terrible. item. Yeah. No, I remember this. And we a good scam. We would um whatever get the item and we go pay instead of fifty bucks for a pair of boots, we'd pay five bucks. Whatever. I fill in the blank. Whatever. We could quickly change a tag. And this is why I worked at Burlington Coat Factory as undercover security, because I knew about these scams and I could spot people like you. Well shut them down. So so then we'd take that item back to the store and return it at full value (laughs) but they would only give you a store uh, credit store credit yeah but you could just flip that again i mean 
You just build. I mean, talk about God, turning dude. a gram into a mountain. No, we we the the last. I think this is the last one that we ever did, and this is what made us. <laughs> there were a couple of us that did it, and when I talk about this, this was a very small time in probably when I was 16, 17, had access to vehicles, went to stores by ourselves without our mommies and daddies. Yep. And exactly. It was probably just a couple months of doing this before we were like, we're, we're stupid. Stop doing this. I'll never, you never feel bad. You feel I've grimy. Never, not only have I never <sighs> stolen everything, anything since, but if I don't see something right on the bill that I get wherever I'm at, whether it's a restaurant or a store yep. in my favor, I, I take it back. I accidentally had some milk in the bottom of the shopping cart. Oh. Forgot to pay for it. Walked out, loading up groceries, looked at the milk, looked at my bill. Nope. Didn't pay for it. Walked back in, paid for I'm I I feel so bad You're about that the dumb guy, shit. Huh? Yeah. You're that guy. Oh yeah. Well, but no, the the end of it was when we were um we were taking one of those gift certificates and we were buying a bunch of food to go up north. We were all <laughs> sure. going up north, about sure. eight of us guys, and we had one of these gifts, so we're just buying all this junk food. And these people came up to us with food stamps, looked in our cart. We didn't have any beer, didn't have any alcohol, didn't have cigarettes, had all food. And they said, hey, I'll buy you all those, um, all those uh, uh, items. Like, yeah, it was hundred. Let's say, say it was 100 bucks in food. Right. And if you just give me the 50 bucks, I go, well, I got a gift certificate for 50 bucks. Well, we'll take it. Because you can't buy alcohol or cigarettes with food stamps. You can't buy alcohol, yeah, with food stamps. So right. they paid for our, our cartload of stuff. So you're just in layer after layer well, after right. layer so, of deception. So we're all in the car, you know, high five in a little bit. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, that's wrong. That's yeah. like so wrong. What's well, on fraud? So many levels. <laughs> it's, it's fraud. Oh my gosh. So it was, it's been since then. I'll never, never, ever, ever, ever. Wow. Never, ever will I ever. Never, ever will I ever. Nope. Ever. Well, good on you. I never repaid Meyer back or whatever the place was. Well, right <laughs> for the yeah. stuff. I'm not going all the way back there. I, I shop. They've. I've continued to shop there, and they. I don't use coupons. Okay, we're even. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I am an M Perks Rewards member, though. Well, much like yourself, Bob admits his mischief in those days, and he's like, "I did it," but insists that uh, his main weakness was for expensive clothes and jewelry. Like, I just, I don't know. Quote about Bob from his youth. Let me, this will sum it up here. Quote, there were two kinds of fellas at my school, the stoners, and the kind that like women and wore sharp clothes and put lotion on their hands and said nice things to the ladies. Where did the lotion on the hands come in? I was the second kind. I love women. They got so much to offer emotionally. Uh, 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 no, not getting uh, you with Bobby Brown. Uh, All right. 1978, age nine, Bob and his childhood friends, Michael Bivens and Ricky Bell. Oh, wow. Okay. There All we right. go. Yeah. Any familiar? I say it at the end of every show. Is that the big button, the smile? Never trust the big button, smile. That girl is poison. Bell Biv DeVoe, baby. Okay. Bell Bivens DeVoe. They could have done it. But they form a band called New Edition. Okay. New Edition, you might remember, is a band from the 80s. Uh, well, apparently the 70s. Uh, Ralph Tresvant joins the group at the suggestion of Ricky Bell, who sang with Trayvant Trayvon, Trayvon before as a duo. Uh, Bob was familiar with them and since they were kids, you know, like kids in the neighborhood basically forming up uh, a singing group here, singing and dancing group. 1980, age 11, a tragic incident happens and Bob's transformed from a petty thief and pretty boy into a serious musician. Bob watched his best friend be fatally stabbed during a knife fight. Oh. Right then and there, he's like, I got to get out of this life. He didn't want to be in the thug life. No didn't want to do that. And I don't think that was a thing like officially, like, rap cachet thug life back then just yet. Really no. early. 
I feel like that's the 90s. Yeah, I guess this is maybe the beginning of some of that stuff. He was at the beginning of very much. So. Well, of it's the, in here. Yeah, of, of that of that pop genre. Not pop, is it? Pop's not a genre, but you know, New Jack Swing. It's called New Jack Swing. I thought that was a movie. Oh, that's New Jack City. That's correct. All right. Which also highlights New Jack Swing music. 1982, age 13, this group becomes a quintet when their manager, Brooke Payne, insists on bringing his nephew, Ronnie DeVoe, in to complete the sound. And so. So they're 13? Yes. Oh, wow. The fellas compete at several talent shows all around the Boston area in 1982. Hold on. Stop. One time. Go back to that card where the guy gets stabbed. Oh, yeah, Bob. Sure. How old was he when this happened? 11. He saw his buddy get stabbed? In a knife fight at 11. And how old was the guy that got stabbed? Like the same age? 11, same age as buddy. 11, 12. That's hard shit. Uh, Boston, dude. Boston's well, rough. I don't care where you're at, man. You're getting in the projects? getting stabbed at 11? I'm just saying. My kid's like in that age range. 11, yeah. He could be stabbed in a knife fight. So. Right. Knife defense is really tricky. What we recommend, if you don't know what you're doing, take your shoes off, put them on your hands, and then use your shoes as boxing gloves against the knife. How about just leave your shoes on your feet and run away? Oh, yeah. No, run. If you can't run, yeah, I'm you sorry. Can, I can outrun a knife. I can't always outrun a bullet. Might want to put a couple extra zigs and zags yeah. with a bullet. <laughs> knife, say, just linear. Just keep it going. Just run fast. Yeah, pretty much. Just outrun the guy you're with, really. Um, <laughs> it's like the same thing as if you get caught in the woods. Caught with a bear. With a bear. Yeah, I, don't, I just have to be faster than you. Yeah. That's all. And I might push you down. <laughs> just saying, man. All's fair. Loving bears. Uh, the fellas compete at talent shows all throughout Boston, like I was talking about. This one time, they performed at the Boston Strand Theater at an event called Hollywood Talent Night, organized by music producer Maurice Starr. Some people call him Maurice. Some people call him the Space Cowboy. They come in second. Impressed by their performance, Maurice signs them to his Streetwise record label. Like, you guys pretty good. Let's sign you. March 1st, 1983, they released their debut album, Candy Girl. It was modeled after the Jackson 5 song, ABC, and I Want You Back. Don't you remember? Candy Girl, all my world. No. No, no, no. no I wasn't really into any of that back then. All right. Well, <laughs> whatever, man. This new saying. edition, dude. New edition. What year is this? 1983. No. Dude, it would have been totally up our alley right there. No, it wouldn't Walking have. We were like Bob's. in second grade, third grade. Title track, Candy Girl, was a top 20 hit on Billboard's R&B charts. It hit number one on the UK singles chart. It also became the 31st best-selling single of that year. It also peaked at number one on the Hot Black singles charts, the original name of the Hot R&B singles and hip-hop songs. Charts. And they were still just, just pre-adolescent teenagers? Yeah, at that point, yeah. All right. Early preteens, yeah. Well, teens, teens, preteens. The group became a worldwide pop sensation. And what was the name of New Edition? New Edition. Okay. Despite the group's success, though, Bob felt the group was never rightfully paid the money they felt they earned from their success. He saying, was probably 100% right with Maurice at the helm. Saying, I can't do that. <laughs> the Maurice whistle that talk. Uh, I, quote from Bob about not getting paid a lot. Quote, the most I saw from all the tours and all the records we sold was $500, and they gave me a VCR. They, Maurice just gave him a little shtickle of money. That's true. Bob also allegedly grew jealous of the attention given to fellow member Ralph Trayvon. He, got, he was jealous of Trey? Trey's apparently getting more attention. The ladies might like him better. Yeah, Bob well, likes Maybe he's putting too much lotion on his hands. Right. Sorry, Michelle. During some of their tour performances, Bob would often step out of his position and perform out of tune, out of turn, uh, singing and performing seductively. Like, not doing the choreo, man. 
Oh, he's trying to get the limelight Trying on him. to stand out. That caused concern within the group's management team. Bob was featured on two more New Edition albums before leaving the group in early 1986. So now he's now like 17, 18-ish? I believe that's correct. 80, he was born in 69. Okay. All right. All right. Bob later said that he felt the group's management treated him like, quote, little slaves by people who are only interested in money and power and not the welfare of New Edition. I, I, he's right. Yeah, no, he's right. Yeah. Like, kids get a shaft, especially way back then. Oh, yeah. They had no they had no power. They had all the control. Right. And they could just get these dudes up there to sing and dance. Yep. Sing and dance, you sing know, and dance. just go up there and do their thing and then give them just enough to keep them going. If you give them too much, they're yep. not coming back. Nope. Now, here's the deal. Bob signs a contract with the group's former label, MCA, which promised him earlier they said, hey, Bob... If uh, you ever decide to leave New Edition, we'll give you a solo contract. Yeah. Well, so he pulled the card and went the MCA. Okay. He also signs with the new manager, Stephen Macat, M-A-C-H-A-T, Macat, Macat. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. 100%. He uh, also previously worked with New Edition, so he's going back to the people who they started out with, basically. December 9th, 1986, age 16, Bob releases his debut solo album, King of Stage. He had one R&B hit, number one, called uh, Girlfriend. It was a ballad, but the rest of the album was not well-received. Can you sing that song for us? Girlfriend? Yes. No? no? I did not look into uh, King of Stage and Girlfriend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're my girlfriend. 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 That's probably close to it. 80 songs. Also in 1986, Bob met a nice young lady named Malika Williams. Malika? He met her about nine months ago, and the baby is born. Baby Landon is born. So Bob lays low for more than a year, working on his follow-up album. Bob begins working with some top R&B producers and songwriters of his time. He worked with people like Babyface, Antonio L.A. Reed, Teddy Riley. These guys helped Bob to compose his most successful solo album, Don't Be Cruel, released in 1988. The album had five top ten hits on it. Billboard's Hot 100, including the number one hit. What, what year was that out? 1988. I had, I, I, I think I had that record. My prerogative. Yeah, I think I, I do what I want to do is my prerogative. I think I had Nobody that record for you. But my dad, see, so in '98 I was probably 12. Sure. And my dad had a kick-ass stereo. I mean. <laughs> It's the same freaking stereo he's got today. I mean, big pieces of equipment. They're all stacked on it's top got of one another. got subwoofers and tweeters oh. and, and an amplifier and he an had, EQ. He had, uh, he had a, uh, it was quadraphonic. Oh, God. So he had a little, like, almost looked like a joystick. You could control where the sound was at. So you put a speaker in each corner of your, of your room. Oh, then balance. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. there was a joystick to direct where the sound went. It was. That's pretty high tech. He had a reel-to-reel. Yeah, yeah we, So we go. had a reel-to-reel. And so any <laughs> break out the reels, man. Any music I wanted to listen to, he'd let me use the reel to reel because it was just a switch. Wow, it was a switch. So he would record anything I wanted to listen to on the reel to reel because I'm gonna fuck the album up. Oh, I mean, I I'm like, gonna scratch that shit off. You have you know? my prerogative on reel to reel. I have my prerogative on reel to reel. We had to record it on there. You could record it on the reel to reel. That's awesome. I had off of vinyl. I had, I had that. Um, probably a couple songs on that album. I had a couple. Nobody Queen songs in that album. Do. I think it's I had um. What's the what's what I'm the doing? I'm doing for you. What's the Queen song that I listened Don't to over and over? The, really the real aggressive one. Whatever. Had them on there. Had some Prince on there. Or oh, no, please. I no, not All Prince. Strangely, 
really to get me down. Uh, dollars of donuts, no, no, dude. No. At my dad's barn, those reels are still there. Telling myself around. And I could hey, even record myself on it, too. talking all this stuff about me. Why don't they just let me live? I don't need no something. Make my own decision. That my prerogative is my prerogative. We can do what we want to do. Right, Ted? <laughs> now, Ted was Teddy Riley. I Actually, that's the research there. So he was asking a person who was with him. Right, Ted? We can do what we want to do. After topping both pop and R&B charts, album sales hit 12 million copies worldwide, making it the best-selling album of 1989. He was on top then. 100%. Maybe peaking. February 1990, Bob wins a Grammy for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance. You got a lot of cards there that can't be peaking quite yet, Kenny. No. Don't Be Cruel also earned Bob two American Music Awards, a Soul Train Music Award, and a People's Choice Award. Okay. So people liked his prerogative. He came out pretty quick then. I mean, he kind of was... He was kind of uh, steeled in the in the cauldron back when he was young. Yeah, he got in young. And yep. then he put out one album with New Edition, one or two. Two. two and then two, he, he quit, put yep. out one album by himself. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. But he, then he came out both barrels Boom. blazing. 1989, Bob gets two songs on the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. And that was not peaking. <laughs> he also had a cameo in the movie. If you remember, he like opens a car door and like asks for a proton. Can I get one of them proton packs? They're I like, don't gotta- think. There's a movie <laughs> that ever went from oh no, an awesome the Ghostbusters one, yeah, an awesome freaking movie, great movie. The, I mean, one of I think people would probably put that in their top ten That's movies. Good man, in that decade or two, yeah. I then say. to be followed up with Ghostbusters <laughs> two, Ghostbusters dose. Something of the slime or something. What was it? City of Slime or something like that? It was that. so they had to have bad. the city sing and all that stuff. It was so bad. And it was Vigo, the painting and all the whole thing. And then they had I that. Vigo. And then recently they had the one with the all girls Ghostbusters. No, no, that didn't happen. What do you mean? Dan Aykroyd and the Ghostbusters are making another Ghostbusters movie and they're acting like that one didn't happen. Oh, right, right. But that one <laughs> did come out. And as we say on uh, yeah, Chris the Crime and Music. Man. It was not well received. received. Not well received. But now they have the new one coming out, which I'm scared. Blues Brothers 2 was never good. Blues Uh, Brothers 2000. 2000, yeah. Uh, I like John Goodman, but uh, that's going to be a thing. Anyway, uh, speaking of liking things, Bob's got another girlfriend. (laughs) Speaking of liking things. Bob meets a girl named Kim Ward about nine months ago. uh, (laughs) Got another boy? Baby girl, La Princia, is born. So there's a second kid with the same girl? Yes. All right. At age what sixteen seventeen? No, he's older. Than that. He's older than that now. No, he's not. Checking cards, guys. It's not just dead air. It's kind of a little bit of dead air. Eighty six. He's sixteen. So eighty nine. He's nineteen. Two kids at nineteen. Two kids at nineteen. All right. La Princia. La Princia. Uh, Bob. French. <laughs> Bob is at the nineteen eighty nine Soul Train Music Awards while Soul he's Train. Came on right after cartoons on Saturday mornings. Nice. While he's there, he meets a lady, Whitney Houston. And I will always love you. There are dogs barking right now. Right there. Uh, he meets a nice lady named Whitney Houston. As Ben described, she is a very popular singer. They begin a close friendship after Whitney arrives. 
uh, and sees Bob. She then invites 20-year-old Bob to her 26th birthday party. And Bob is having a great time at the birthday party. He meets his lady. He's like, hey, you know, I didn't yeah. know you are 26, but I guess that's fine. Water cougar. Yeah, I've got two kids. It's cool. Uh, Bob is a noted pioneer of the music style New Jack Swing. As New we discussed yeah, I did, I did, I'd never heard that. that I it's a fusion of hip-hop and R&B music. Okay. It was started by his buddies Teddy, right, Ted, and uh, Bernard Bell. Bell, Bell, Bell. Um, it's uh, popular from about the 80s into the early 90s. You got artists like Janet Jackson, Keith Sweat, Paula Abdul, oh. he- Heavy D, I'll Be Sure, and Joey Lawrence. Nope. 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 No, that's Homer Simpson. No, Joey Lawrence. Was he on the Full House? Whoa. Oh, yeah, whoa. 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 <laughs> that, wow. Whoa. I got a lot of homework to do, and it's already 11 o'clock. Whoa. That was so stupid. 1991, Bob and Kim's on and off 11-year relationship ends with Kim two months pregnant. Oh, with a third kid. And then she finds out Bob's engaged to Whitney Houston. What? Hey, um, I know you're having my baby and stuff, but uh, one, we're breaking up, and two, I got a new girl. Three, it's Whitney Houston. So Was she singing back then? Bye. Yeah, man, it's the 90s. I can't remember the 90s. Um, I believe she's uh, somebody's bodyguarding her she, at this point. Dude. Okay, here's the thing. Kevin Costner. <laughs> I like the guy. I do. I feel like I should like every movie he's in. Right. I, I He looks like an actor that I would The dog identify finally showed with. up when you called her with the Whitney Houston voice. She's like, I heard you calling. I feel like he's oh, like a like a like got a good manly look to him where he's you know gonna do some action movies that are gonna be good. Cosner, the Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. I don't like name one movie I like with a minute. I feel like I should like every one. Dances with Wolves. Nope. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why? It's a terrible movie. Why? You like Western it's stuff? It's so and Cowboys long and, Indians? and boring. Well, I've seen them all. Now I know I don't have a dead deer in your water hole. I mean, what? Waterworld? Waterworld. Not yeah, good. there you go. That's bad. With the diving bell, he goes down to see the cities. The golf thing? Right. That's stupid. Tin cup? Yep. Tin cup was dumb. Yeah. No, that was dumb. Yeah, that was dumb. Um, Mailman? Stupid. Yeah, I, yeah. okay. Ford, Lincoln, Mercury. I got you. I don't know. Just whatever. Huh. Now you got I, me. <laughs> I, I, I'll, and I'll give them a chance again. They, they keep putting him keep, in movies. Put him in another movie. I'm going to watch that movie. Maybe I, this is the only reason he's still around is because everybody's like me thinking. Field of Dreams. You're going to find this hard to believe. Oh, no. I'm a baseball guy. Yeah, I know. I'm a baseball That's guy. That's why I thought of it. Never seen the movie. What? Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Nope. There's your homework, kids. Sorry. Go watch I'm not going to. Maybe the one Kevin Costner movie I would like. <laughs> you might. It. James Earl Jones? Oh, my God. That's the best, man. Right. They watch imaginary baseball in this cornfield. Kevin Costner. Right. I just remember that bodyguard movie. He's, like, driving yes. a limo around, and he's, like, doing 180s with it, and he's training how to drive the limo like this is so stupid that's all i just remember that video and that song that i cannot sing no that was she crushed that song for real she's a very talented artist absolutely and remember kids crack is whack we'll get there (laughs) july 18th 1992 bob and whitney get married at whitney's estate bob claims whitney introduced him to cocaine shortly uh before their wedding saying quote I never used cocaine until after I met Whitney. Before then, I had experimented with other drugs, but marijuana was my drug of choice. Yeah, they they like the they like the smack. Oh, dude, a lot of a lot of white powder at the at the brown 
Houston house. The, the Houston Browns. The Houston Browns. August 25th, 1992, age 23, Bobby's next album, Bobby, comes out. Uh, it sold more than 3 million copies, spawned several hits, including Humpin' Around, Getaway, and Good Enough. I know we know every one of those songs, don't we? Ain't nobody humping around. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That was it. That, that was, was it. it. Bob receives his second Grammy Award for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance nomination for Humping Around. Bobby and Kim have their second kid, Bobby Jr. So this is Kim. I didn't say Whitney. So no, yeah. They, I don't think. She was pregnant before they got yeah. married and all this. January 1993, he receives his third American Music Award. Sales of Bobby did not match its predecessor. It was not well received. That was his third album under, no, fourth album under his own label. Third. Third? No, third. he had one that wasn't huge. Right. The two big ones. Oh, oh, no. This, the third one was with Humping Around and then the, whatever the last one was on. Uh, Bobby. Yeah, you're right. All right, whatever. He's, yeah. so he's, he's sort doing, of. He's up and down. Yeah. Well, but he's more up because, you know, he's attached with Whitney Houston. March. She is doing good. Sorry, Michelle. March 4th, 1990. Did you forget the rules? I'm sorry, Michelle. There you go. March 4th, 1993, his daughter with Whitney, Bobby Christina Brown, is born. Her name was Bobby? With an I. My niece's name is Bobby. With an I? Yeah. All good. Yeah. Why? No, I. We don't know. 1995, Bob was uh, with this guy, Stephen Seeley, right? When Steve was being targeted during a drive-by shooting. Ooh. Not the guy to be next to. No. Seeley is, was, Bob's sister's boyfriend. He died. Bob's sister's boy. Okay. Uh, he yeah. di- Steve dies. Steve's dead. Bob was unharmed. The shooter, John Tibbs, took a plea agreement in 2001, and there you go. Well, I wonder how many years he got. It did not specify. It just said plea agreement, so he might not have done time at all. I don't know. Well, the reason I ask is there's been a lot of talk in the news here recently, and I kind of, you know, I read things while I'm on the toilet. And, You're not supposed um, to do that. In and out, buddy. I know. I squatty know, potty, in and out. Let's I'll make you a squatty not, potty. Let's not get into the repercussions, but... <laughs> Spot on, baby. There you go. So, um, a proctologist's best friend is the smartphone because it's <laughs> quadrupled their business. Oh, my I know God. I didn't even, yeah, see, 100%. those type of correlations. That, I mean. That's where the money's at, kids. You, you can put that type of thought a together. a very finite amount of stuff if you're reading a newspaper on the toilet, now the smartphone. Oof. Scroll, scroll, scroll. So, Not done yet. Scroll. So, uh, I, I ask about how many years this, this guy, this killer got because- they just got done pardoning a bunch of people. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. yeah every it was all white-collar crime, though. Well, every president does it. Go look at it. It's crazy. But then I started looking at yeah. the different ones specifically that were pardoned and other ones that were being, like, maybe going to be pardoned, too, wanted to be pardoned. And there are so many of these white-collar crimes that nobody dies in. I mean, they steal a bunch of money or they embezzle. They do bad things, whatever, terrible bad things. Yeah. And they'll get, like, 30 years. In a white-collar, low-security prison. But then there's other dudes that kill people. They they, they average out at about 5, 10. Sorry, Michelle. I, that okay. just cuts the whole tension with you, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's burpings. So, <laughs> Brian gets mad at me because we're I'm, I'm self-deprecating. Deprivicate, deprecating. There it is. And Brian burps. I get mad at it. So, it's, 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 it's how he gets back at me. It's a balancing act. No, so I get it. You know, like this guy, he killed somebody. How many years you get? You should, I feel like if you kill somebody, Couple. that's like the ultimate bad thing, right? Life. Yeah. But no, it's like averages out under 10 years. Suge Knight, man. He killed a bunch of people. He was walking around the streets. Yeah. He's probably going to get, you know. Oh, we're not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> don't, don't. No, I'll. Hey, Suge, you help me get elected. I'll pardon you right away, man. Yeah, there you go. You and me on your yacht. It'll be awesome. I think he's in jail again, but 
I think he, I don't think he got out of jail. No, he was out for a while, and then he killed somebody when he was out. Went right back. We'll get there. Uh, keep it. Keep an eye out there, uh, no, guys. No, no, that'll be a solo podcast, Brian. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna... that's the live show. We're gonna. I'm gonna Dude. drop it on you. Negative. We'll be sitting there, have the audience all pull up their chairs, and I'll be like, "And guess the guest, Shug Knight." And all right. Ben will just get up and leave. So Bobby was unscathed in a drive-by. In April 1995, Bobby and two friends were charged in the beating of Dude in a nightclub in Orlando. Like beating him up? Yep. Police reported that after his arrest, Bob urinated in the police car and scratched four-letter words into the vinyl. Not beating him off. No. Charges were dropped after the victim settled in a civil lawsuit against Bob. Paola, Paola. Paola. We should have a button for Paola. Cha-ching! I think that's what I need to get. Yeah. August 1995, Bob is cited for battery. Police say he kicked a hotel security guard uh, who was sent to his room to check on the noise complaint. He kicked him? Yep. Okay. Hey, what's going on in there? Ah! <laughs> like drop kicked him? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, they didn't specify. Just like kicked him in the shin? It was a I still got a spot. Kick- I can feel it on my shin. <laughs> I swear to He's God. He's feeling his shin right now. The, so ne- you know. the name we shall not mention Oh, kicked me in oh. the shin in like eighth grade. Really? With a pair of cowboy boots. I see, and uh, I can still I can still feel it. He, it was it never bled, but it was like a big, huge bruise. You dented your bone. I think he busted the bone a little bit. I'm a tibia. All these years, the name that shall not be mentioned. Yeah, you had me for a second there. I was like, she didn't go to our school. I'm like, oh, but he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the families that shall not be mentioned. All right, go ahead. November fourth, nineteen ninety seven. Bob releases his fourth solo album. So it says his fourth forever. Due to lack of promotion and Bob's desire to write and produce most of the tracks himself, the album tanked. It was not well received. The only single, Feeling Inside, also was not well received. That was a, a slow song. Yeah, I think so. It was like a ballad. What year? 1997. Okay, so, yeah, he's old by then, though. I would say. I mean, he'd been... You Do, know, he's been doing it for a while. It's rare. It, it's not un, unheard of, but it's very rare for pop singers to be able to their their shelf life is is not long. Yeah, there's a few that do it. No, and I think you almost have to to do it right. You need to come out and be popular, and at your peak, just go bl- go dark. Justin Timberlake. Just yeah, yep. go dark for That's a while. That's my example of you want a long hey, career in pop. That's the guy. I'm not. I'm keep an eye on the Beebs. Mm. I think he. I think he went. He's. You think? I don't know. His if, last song was pretty terrible. Yeah, we'll see. Whatever. Madonna, I think, did it. Yeah. I, I mean, she's gone dark a couple times. Yeah. And that's, you know about her, right? She's got like some twenty-year-old houseboy that lives. Oh yeah. Stuff like whatever. That. Like, yeah. Oh my god. I guess my application got thrown away. Yeah, well, hey, as long as you compete and do your best. No, but you know, I think that's how these pop stars and Bobby doesn't sound like he did that. He just kept every four years, three years, just trying to hey, stay I'm current. To do it again. Yep. Nope. During this time, Bob was the original choice to play Powerline in the Walt Disney Pictures animated movie, A Goofy Movie. What? How'd this make a card? He was well. He was going. Um, he's branching out now. Now he's done with music. He's going in the movies, the Disney movies. Well, sure. He was cut due to drug problems and was replaced by R and B singer Tevin Campbell. <laughs> oh, they that? went. The, they went with the choir boy. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, prior to the release of Forever, Bob had been in negotiations with rapper Tupac Shakur to sign with Shakur's record label Machiavelli Records. Machiavelli. Machiavelli. Uh. Or with proposed label Death Row East, because they were going to make a Death Row East as opposed to Death Row West, blah, 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 Death Row. Uh, however, Tupac died before the deal could take place. Throughout the 1990s, his drug addiction worsened. Or did he? Well, right. Or 
did, did he? he? He's just gone dark. Yeah, man. He's, he's just you gone know, dark. I've seen photos of uh, Tupac on Bahamian Islands and stuff like that. Like he's fine. He's out there. He's fine. Throughout the Shout 1990s, his drug addiction worsened. Bobby, that is, not Tupac. And uh, at one point, he was cooking cocaine and using heroin. Cooking cocaine. Since we said cooking cocaine, we're going to go for a little break right now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap up Triple Bob, Bobby Brown. Oh, uh, and if you listen to the last episode, here's another one of the songs from my high school band. Brian, this is a song I'm going to end the break. I'm going to find out. We're going to replay this from the beginning, <laughs> and I'm going to sing to it. Can you isolate the vocals? No. From the 90s. I don't have individual tracks. All right, I got a little treat. Treat coming in to the second half of the break. All right. I got to think about it. All right. I hear your heart beat to the beat of a drum Oh, what a shame that you're gonna hear with someone So while you're here in my arms Let's make the most of this night Cause we're gonna die young <laughs> Can I rip you off, brother? Yeah, I've said that Can I for rip years rip you off, brother? <laughs> I've said that for years I it's part of my workout routine playlist, so yeah, I'm aware of Kesha stealing our progression. I, I suppose, I suppose, when you know you have 99.9 percent of the artist <laughs> community using the same three chords, there's yeah. going to be some no, overlap, right? We don't really own G, C, and D. When you played that, Brian, I haven't heard that song in a billion years. Oh, me your, neither. Your your 21 Days band. We used to go watch you guys up yeah, at the yeah. bars. It was the thing to do. We weren't but, good, but it was the thing to do. Uh, the music wasn't bad. Your, the singing was meh. I mean, meh. But uh, it was fun. I mean, we had a great time. You know, all your buddies are out there. You're screwing around. Maybe score some points with the chicks. If exactly. You said, I know the guys in the band. Exactly. And nah, I didn't work for me as much. <laughs> didn't work for me, and I was well, in the band. So you played that song at the beginning of our <laughs> yes. our break. Yes. And it went off just like a a, a an explosion. Boom. In my, boom. Crystallization. Whoa. And I had to take a minute during break and figure it out. And I had to, like, had to like, I know this song. I know that song. I thought you were going to be like, I, me and Adam wrote a I song. It's the exact beat to the beat of a drum. <laughs> Why aren't you here with someone? <laughs> yeah. Big Kesha fan. Big Kesha fan. Yep. I feel like we've been claiming a copyright against Kesha for years, but we didn't. So. Anyway, we're back. Uh, and we are hot and dangerous, much like Bobby Brown. So what we're going to do now is talk about January 1998. Bob's convicted in Florida of two misdemeanors, driving under the influence and causing property damage. Causing property damage. Yeah, he crashed into a condominium sign while driving his wife's sports car. Not supposed to do that. Served five days in jail and was released on probation. Released on probation. From May to June 2000, Bob spends 26 days in jail after he's arrested by U.S. Customs agents in New Jersey following a trip to the Bahamas. The arrest stemmed from an outstanding warrant for violating the probation in 1996, 
and the drunk driving conviction. So you're not supposed to go to the Bahamas. Have you ever pooped a balloon? He wasn't <laughs> smuggling drugs or nothing? No. He just so. wasn't supposed to leave the country. That's what it's Or the like. state, maybe, Don't or whatever. leave yeah. the country. The warrant is issued in June 1999 after Bob's probation officer reported that cocaine had been found in his urine test twice. Picked him up. Yeah. November 2000. And, and oh. if you do coke, I've been told. <laughs> that's one of the faster things that pushes through your system. Yeah. Like, I've heard alcohol stays with you longer than coke. Yeah. So this dumbass is doing coke, knowing he's got to go drop. So that means you, yeah, you had to have done coke in a day or so of. I don't. Your piss I'm test. not. I'm. This is not talking. Believe me, not talking from. No, no, no. Here. But you work with people and you hear stories yeah. of these. You know, I like mean, weed sticks with you for a long time, and they can test it a few different ways. Oh God, that's fat soluble. So if you're overweight, you're stuck with weed. Yeah, I probably still got some weed in my fat from right? like the <laughs> the late '80s, early '90s. God. But yeah, he's so he's so he was actively doing being drugs. an idiot. <laughs> yeah, November two thousand two, Bob's arrested in Georgia on drug and trafficking charges. Later, it was discovered he was wanted on a five year old warrant. So like they picked him up in Georgia and then they're running him. And they're like, hey, you got an old warrant? It's about five years old. They want you uh, in Florida for what? For the what? car crash he had in Florida, he never went to court for. Oh, it. so they issued a eh, warrant. Isn't that weird he just that never stuff? went back to Florida, and then he's in Georgia, gets picked up, and then they're like, hey. You're still wanted in Florida. Did I, you know that? Uh, I've told the story, but I was a dude, dude that got in a fight in Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm never coming back to Canada. He's li- literally, I don't you think can. he can ever come back to Canada. No. Because he has, the first thing to do is run its card, because they do. They run your cards now. Okay. Like, you're, you're, when you go to Canada from the United States, and we live real close to Canada, Border and I have State. a special yeah, yeah. Um, driver's license. Did you get it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. And so uh, it was easy. That was easy to do. It yeah, was a joke. They, yeah, they just charge you an extra hundred bucks. And it's then they, money. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent money. I'm glad it was easy for you to oh, part with was, your money, dude. Bring your birth certificate to the thing, and they ask you three questions that the answers are on your birth certificate. Like, what's your mom's <laughs> name? What they that one question was? I almost got it wrong. It was a fifty-fifty shot. Were you born an AM or a PM baby? Like, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I was there. I don't, I, I don't recall. I don't recall. But uh, the last thing I remember is me and a bunch of buddies running down this dark hall. But and then, this, but I don't this know anything else. Running up the dark hall. And I was the only one to escape, man. <laughs> I don't know where they went. I've been looking for those guys ever since. And then this dude no, smacks so me in the end. This, this dude, and we were all in Canada, and he got in a fight, and he got, uh, he got um, let out of jail. This is when the guy was like buying rounds of drinks for you, and you're like, "Hey, my buddy!" And then he gets into a fight, and you're like, "I don't know him." Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> you're gonna have to revert back to a very old story. Like, listener Michelle, again. she yeah. brought this up. She's like, "It was exactly the way it happened." So, oh, we have, com- well, we have a comment from Michelle at the end of the show. Oh, good. I like I like listener feedback. No, so I mean, he was there, and whatever cops were involved, he got let out of jail in the morning, got bail. He's supposed to come back for a court date. He never went back. So he's the first thing they're gonna do is they run his name. They're eh, all right. We're we're going to have you go meet with this guy in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. No, so Michelle, I told that story probably 10 episodes ago about yeah. the Canadian story. Yes. And uh, I wasn't sure exactly on the, de- on the details. I knew I was a little sketchy on the details. And I saw uh, super fan Michelle, and she says, nope, you got oh, it. I was that like, was it. We'll just do a, a mid-roll comment read. Michelle says, I was behind on episodes over the holidays, but just listen to this today. Yes, Ben Rupel, your account of The Night in Canada was actually pretty accurate. Oh, the memories. That was honestly one of the top three craziest nights of my life, and most of that has to do with what happened when I was adventuring in the hotel when we got back. 
Oh, I think we need to have Super Fan Michelle elaborate. Might have to call in there, Super. And also, she says, "Merry Christmas." Sorry, Michelle does soften it a bit. Thank you. So there you go. All right. Yeah, we got it. What happened in the hotel? Uh, Michelle's got stories that Ben doesn't remember. I, I like think it. we shared a room. I hoped. I mean, there were ten of us. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. We just all crashed. I think somebody <sighs> slept in a tub. Sorry, Michelle. That cuts him right somebody off. Somebody slept in a tub. All right, so January, uh, speaking of Christmas time, it's now January 2003. Bob serves eight-day sentence in DeKalb County, Georgia, jail, after he pled guilty to a 1996 drunk driving charge and one count of speeding. How many nights? Eight. Okay. So it does a week, yeah. week, week and a day. December 2003, Bob is charged with uh, one count of battery for striking his wife, Whitney Houston, and threatening to, quote, beat her ass. I'm going to beat her ass. Police reported that Whitney had visible injuries to her face. She had a bruised lip and a cut cheek. Huh. That's not cool, man. Guy's a dick. Yeah. June 2004, Bob is sentenced to 90 days in jail. He missed three months of child support payments. Bob spends about six days in jail, and that sentence is immediately suspended after Bob uh, made back payments totaling around $15,000. He was a successful dude. I don't know. Maybe he wasted all of his money, but if you got kids out there, make the... Pay the mommies. Well, like all of these people, man, like get an assistant, know when your court dates are, show up to court, know what bills you got to pay to what women, pay your moms, and then you won't have half of these warrants and half of these arrests. I and swear to God. There's some people that are out there doing that, Brian. It's literally just logistics, and dude. It sounds so stupid. We'll never talk about them. No, but they're, yeah, they're- They got uh, it down. Right. You'll never hear them because there's some dude or girl or what a non-binary a who's computer. like working- as their scheduler is you, literally all they need. You could do it on Siri, I swear to God. Oh, dude, the Google AI assistant's going to change the world. I'm telling you. That's the next thing, people. AI assistants, it won't be about screens. It'll just be about voices in your head telling you shit. <laughs> it will, like Google pretty, Home or Alexa. It's pretty close to that right now, Brian. That's what I'm saying. So uh, 2005, Bob and Whitney participate in a reality show called Being Bobby Brown. You ever see that? You know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There dude. you go. Dude, I, I I never sat down and watched it as a regular feature on my no, TV. No, but, but I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was an early on reality TV show. You're 2005? Okay, maybe not that early. Was <laughs> it on TV? No, I think it was on like A&E or something like that. It was- okay, uh, Maybe I've never seen it. September 2006, Whitney files for legal separation. Okay, yeah. So she got, she a reality got... show is not how you save your marriage. <laughs> In case you wanted. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, no I'm, I'm just saying. April 24th, 2007, their divorce is finalized. Whitney receives custody of their 14-year-old daughter, Bobby Christina. Bobby Christina. Yeah, they got, they got, that's a long run, though. I mean, seriously, that's about as Cinderella as it gets in Hollywood anymore. No, that was really good for a celebrity couple. I mean, yeah. honestly, outside of him hitting her like a D-bag. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. 2009, at the BET Awards, New Edition members reunite to perform the Jackson 5 hit as a tribute to the late Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson died? Well, at 2009, yeah, he was dead. He's dead now? Yes, he's dead now. Oh, okay. We're not supposed to talk about it. Why not? What? Don't, don't worry about it. They form, we'll, we'll cover Michael Jackson one day. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> they formally reunited, and uh, the next year they continued to perform and do like, tours and stuff like that. So new additions back out there making the money. Old edition. I don't know what to do. I got a blank card. A freak out. Freak out. To ah, two blank cards. That printer, the printer wheels must be getting, oh, dude, getting I, worn out. You know, with like 60 cards per episode and you jam like 50 cards in the printer, it does struggle a little bit. And I hate to just sit there and watch a printer print. What do you, you know, I got, <laughs> I got shit to do. I mean, I don't, but I theoretically. 
I should have stuff. I should have stuff to do right now, but I, I whatever. May thirty first, two thousand and nine. Bobby has a baby with his new girlfriend, Alicia Etheridge. As of the no, Etheridge? no, it's not Melissa Etheridge. Well, Alicia I didn't know Etheridge. maybe it was her daughter or no. They are her niece. We are not of relation, sir. I am not of relation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, they call him Cassius. Cassius. Ca- Cassius. Cassius. Cassius, the Greek one. Cassius. Okay. Cassius Brown. Or you can call him Cass. Mama. Baby. Baby Cass. Baby Cass. And then you just call him Cass. He's a boy. Uh, September 2009, during an interview with Oprah Winfrey, Whitney admits to using drugs with Bobby. She said that Bob had, quote, laced marijuana with rock cocaine. With rock cocaine. 2009, you just call it crack. Like, you put a crack in a joint, man. That's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> ah, another blank card. Jeez. This episode's not as big as you would think. It's just a lot of blank cards in there. Whitney also told Oprah that Bob had been emotionally abusive during their marriage, and he even spat on her on one occasion. Well, he got he hit her. She seemed to she take didn't... great offense to the spitting, though. Well, spitting's demeaning. Hit, hitting is outright bad. But emotional abuse, that's his marriage, man. <laughs> Are you that's... emotionally abused, Ben? I... Do you need a safe space to talk to me about something? I some am things? emotionally abused by almost everyone I know in my, in my, in my life. Are women hurting you? I mean, no, man. <laughs> you have daughter, right? I, so, yeah. I got a teenage daughter. You're emotionally abused all the time. She this made is... fun of my van the other day. Aw. I'm not saying it wasn't warranted, but it was the vehicle that drove her to the movies. That's mean. I know. Be grateful. She was right? Uh, right. Right? I mean, when you and I were young, we didn't have minivans like that to drive us to the movies. We had to ride in regular creeper vans. So, ironically, the the reason she didn't she was having a problem with the van is because the the door wouldn't open. It's an automatic gap push button. The door oh, like, yeah, yeah. Slowly, it's a minivan situation because I'm awesome. <clears throat> <laughs> and so the door slowly slides open. And you get out and you hit the button and it slowly slides. Well, it was freaking cold as hell and it was frozen shut. I couldn't get it open, and so she had to climb from the front seat to the back seat so her brother could get in the in the front, front seat. seat. Yeah. So that was she had to get in the it's back. Like a school seat. bus. And so she's complaining to this about her mom, and I was mad about it. And all I all I could do is think, oh, if you only knew what I had to grow up with. <laughs> all right, we didn't only have a vehicle that the door opened really good. It sometimes opened when you didn't want it to. <laughs> <laughs> we were going home from uh, from school. My mom was giving a group of boys a ride. We were all coming, you know, what? carpooling. Okay. Like back in seventh grade. I just heard your mom giving a group of boys a ride. That's all. No, I heard. We're, we're we're it was like me and Sorry, Scott and, and and Jeff. Bleep. I'll bleep it out for you. Thanks, man. And so um we're driving home we're driving after basketball practice and Jeff had was sitting in the front seat of this old trailblazer suburban thing oh and we're at the top of seymour road at the top of main street taking a left on seymour there yeah yeah. and my mom takes the left jeff's passenger side door flies open (laughs) he's buckled (laughs) in he's buckled in so okay all right you're safe but his he had a violin with him oh no that thing starts sliding out the front and i jeff just like dives down on the violin and save the the violin from flying out the side Golly, of the door, sure. and then we're now. My mom's kind of like slowing down. Jeff grabs the door and slams it shut. Nobody says a word. Nobody <laughs> even. It's not even blink like batting an eyelash. Just whatever. Take Jeff home. Drop him off. I don't know what he told his parents. Go team. But I'm thinking, honey, at least you're not driving around with a vehicle that doors open without you. <laughs> Randomly, yeah. this is the safest way this door could be right now. That's oh, hilarious. Mad a little bit. I don't know how we started on that story. I'm still kind of mad about it. I just remember sitting backwards in a station wagon. 
Yeah, you could shoot. You, yeah, you could shoot the cars behind you. <laughs> Why are these people giving me strange looks, Brian? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Just you're just double. Yeah, just the double, double gun, gun salute, salute baby. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, sorry, Dad. February 11, 2012. Whitney is found unconscious in Suite 434 at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, submerged in the bathtub. Paramedics arrive approximately at 3:30 p.m. They find Whitney uh, unresponsive and perform CPR. She's pronounced dead at 3.55 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Cause of death was not immediately known. Local police say there were no obvious signs of criminal intent. March 22nd, 2000. What hotel was that? That was at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Beverly Hilton Hotel. Not the Beverly Wilshire. Okay. No, Hilton. I like Hilton, though. I honestly tell you. The Beverly Wilshire is, I think, where Richard Gere and Julia Roberts Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman did. Yep. There you go. In that bathtub scene. March 22nd, 2012, the L.A. County Coroner's Office reports that Whitney's death was caused by... Drugs. Drowning. And the effects of... Being underwater. Well, (laughs) the human body can't process water like air. Uh, No, it says the effects of arthrosclerotic heart disease and cocaine use. (laughs) Which is brought on almost specifically by cocaine. Cocaine use. <laughs> Just tons of copious, copious amounts of cocaine crack. So wait, what's a, what's a speedball? You're like, oh, it's uh, heroin or something like that, at least with cocaine. You're like, oh, so it's just heroin, basically, is what I'm doing. Cool. Got cool. it. I'll take two. Hmm. The office stated that the amount of cocaine found in Whitney's body indicated that she used the substance shortly before her death. So she did a bump, got in the freaking tub, had a heart attack, drowned. Yeah. Toxicology uh, results showed additional drugs in her system, d- dipenhydramine, Benadryl, basically. Um, That's alla- probably what put her sleep. Alaprozamlam, Xanax, basically. Oh, wow. Cannabis and uh, a flexoril, cybobenzaprine. <clears throat> Not yet, buddy. So <laughs> uh, six days after his birthday, um, oh, the, list, the manner of death was listed as an accident. It sounds, I, I think that was legit. I think yeah. it wasn't it. Nobody yeah. thinks they're going to take a bump of Coke and then die and have a heart attack in their no. tub, right? Like, let me pop a Zanny. Uh, let so me get down this. That got uh, me thinking, whatever. Well, like, what, what drugs, uh, we're not going to answer this. Well, I can, I'll answer it. Rhetorical. What drugs, if I died that day of some weird thing and they had to do an autopsy and take my toxicology report and all sure. that stuff. Sure, What drugs would be in my system? Alcohol. They would probably be able to identify some alcohol in my system on any given day, you know. I mean, something from days prior. Because I think they can oh, identify that down the road, like days later. Uh, yeah, I think, again, alcohol is fat-soluble or, or whatever. I, I don't, so I don't know, but my, fat yeah, my buddy Pat got kind of in trouble a little bit. And he knew he couldn't drink for days before he had uh, to possibly. So they could call him up, you know, he's DUI, whatever. Rando. Yeah, yeah. so he was very, but. Sorry, Michelle. Um, there you go. But I had some, I got some uh, itch cream. It's got a steroid in there. I don't need to know That's about, about it. Right. I feel like it's your responsibility to know what goes in your body. <laughs> anyway, six days after his 43rd birthday, Bob struggled to perform at a new edition reunion show, shouting, I love you, Whitney, in tears. Oh, I bet he was upset. So he was yeah, they were together for a long time. for a while. Bob then excused himself from the stage, and New Edition uh, finished the remainder of the show. Bob was invited to appear at Houston's Memorial um, in New Jersey, but was asked to leave by Whitney's family and security. Really? So he also 
denies rumors that he introduced Whitney to drugs. I think that in that circle of people they were both involved in before meeting one another, yeah, eh, probably saw some drugs around. I would say. Yeah. Along with Clive Davis, Ray J, and others, Bob has been accused of contributing to Whitney's death. So people blame him. Yeah, I, that's weak sauce, man. That's not... No. Can't do that. No. Can't. She took the bump. She drowned in her tub. She, yeah, he wasn't forcing it. He wasn't even there. They were doing drugs together. She introduced him to drugs, Who if knows? you listen to him. <laughs> yeah, They've no. been doing drugs right. together for, like, decades. I think it was a, the thing to do for entertainers, you know. She just, uh, yeah. She just, some people, obviously, the whole point of our show is some people take it too far. Well, I think that, you, you know, the don't. family and the people that are close to the per- person that dies you know, are looking for blame. They're they're angry. It's one of the steps of mourning. It's one of the, you know, anger. Anger. It's a thing. Denial. Bargaining. Negotiation, yeah. April 12th, uh, Bob's into bargaining because he's arrested again for drunken driving. Uh, as part of his plea deal, Bob spends time in, quote, a confidential rehabilitation center. Confidential Rehabilitation Center. Drug prison. Well, just a rehab center. Yeah. But like a secure one where he's not going to leave. <laughs> Whether he wants right. to or not. You cannot check yourself out. Make yourself at home. Stay as long as you like. The judge ordered Bob to attend at least three Alcoholic Anonymous meetings a week until he uh, reports to the L.A. County Jail. The judge then also imposed 10 days in jail for the drunk driving offense, tax on another 10 days for the suspended license conviction, and 35 days for the probation violation. Wow, he's just getting ticky-tacked all the way up to almost two months. Then his probation is extended for four years. Yeah. He marries Alicia Etheridge in 2012. I think probation is a good, good alternative to prison if they can follow up with it. Yeah. I think it is. Prison doesn't make people better. No. Makes them arguably worse. Yeah. And then... I'm with you on that. Probation is at least giving you a set of rules, a guidelines that you got to live by. Sorry, you're not free anymore. You've decided to go against our laws, and now we're going to put certain special uh, rules to your life. No drugs, no alcohol. Don't leave the county. Don't leave the city. Don't leave the state, country, whatever the rules are. Yep. But the, the, the flip side of that, they gotta they have to follow up on it. I mean, I know people who have been on probation. It can be effective. Oh, yeah? They work for them? While they're on probation, it did. <laughs> I, I can. I gotta go. Actually, the dude, dude I know, he got he DUI'd, and he got in probation. Um, and he actually, he said to me, he was being totally, not, he was not supposed to drink at all. Right. Or be in establishments, and there's a way they worded it. That alcohol was a primary function of, like, you can't go to the bar. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you can go to an Applebee's or a Ruby Tuesday's that right. has a bar in it, but, but not, that's a restaurant with a bar in it. Right, not a, it's bar, not a bar that serves food. <laughs> so um, he he said, I'm, I've been sober every night, and I'm losing weight, and I feel good. I get up in the morning. There you go. I'm meeting, he was, he was newly found single. He's like, I'm meeting people that are much more interesting than a lot of these drunk idiots at the end of the night at the bar. It opened his eyes. So, I mean, yeah, effective. Effective. I mean, once he, he's now cleared and maybe having more beers than he should again, but at <laughs> least he knows there's another, you know, life out there for him if he ever wants to grab it. If you didn't want to be a degenerate drunk, you can do this good life. <laughs> it's available to you. You've, you've <laughs> That's tried, an option. You've tried both sauces. You've proved that you can now do Now you know what one to pick next time you come to order. Well, 
Bob is, uh, he's still in the sauce. February 2013, he's sentenced to 55 days in jail and four years of summary probation following his second drunken driving conviction that year. Mule sauce. He's released after serving only nine hours in jail, but he's put on electronic monitoring by L.A. County Probation, so he's got the ankle bracelet. Was he doing the same, was it overlap with uh, Lindsay Lohan when she did like six hours of whatever she was supposed to do? I'm in jail for six hours. I, I think I've learned my lesson. I've learned a lot here. I'm reformed now. Can I go? Dude, I spent like five hours in jail one time. I learned my fucking lesson. Yeah, yeah, no, same. I don't same. want this, man. Yeah, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. January 2015, Bob's daughter, Bobby Christina, was found unconscious in her bathtub at her residence in Roswell, Georgia. The 21-year-old was rushed to the hospital where she was placed on a ventilator and put into a medically induced coma to stop the swelling on her brain. Her brain activity was very, very low. Bob rushed to her side and released a statement to the press requesting that they respect the family's privacy. She was later transferred to Emory University Hospital. Doctors concluded that significant brain function was unlikely to occur. Bobby Christina Brown was removed from ventilator and put in the care of hospice in Duluth, Georgia. She died July 26, 2015 at the age of 22. That's a terrible story. I hate that story. Well, yeah. That's sad. That's a sad, that's a sad story. Yeah, with the bathtub thing, just like her mom, the whole thing, that's just weird. I don't like that. Yeah, sorry. July 9, 2015, Bob has another kid with Elisa Etheridge, uh, daughter Bodie James Rain Brown. Wow, running out of names, huh? Well, he's got four of them in there. July 21st, 2016, Bob has another kid with Alicia Etheridge, daughter Hendrix Estelle Shaba Brown. Shaba? Shiba. 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 What year? Uh, 16, 2016. Oh, we're getting yeah. current here. February 14, 2017, Bob performs at the Valentine's Day Music Festival with Keith Sweat, Avant, and El DeBarge. Okay, Keith Sweat's back in the mix. There you go. June 25th, 2019, New York Times Magazine lists Bob among 100 artists whose materials were reportedly destroyed in the 2008 Universal Fires. You remember this? Yeah, it wasn't. There's some old um, stuff that caught on fire. 2008, June 1st, a fire breaks out in the back lot of Universal Studios Hollywood. The fire began when a worker used a blowtorch to warm up some asphalt shingles that were being applied to the facade. He left before checking that all the spots had cooled, and a three-alarm fire breaks out. The fire is extinguished after 12 hours of burning. It destroys a three-acre, 1.2-hectare portion of the Universal Backlot, including the attraction King Kong Encounter. Oh, I never got... Crazy. I never got to that one. 40 to 50,000 archived digital videos and film copies were lost. The fire also destroyed 118,000 to 175,000 audio master tapes belonging to UMG, the Universal Music Group. Should have had it back up to the cloud. No shit. Should've, <laughs> should've had the cloud, guys. Should have had the cloud. Why wasn't this on the cloud? This included original recordings belonging to some of the best selling artists worldwide on RPM uh, 45 singles, tapes, phonographs, master discs, lacquers, and acetates. Shit, they probably had wax tubes in there. Who knows? Well, some of that stuff, the cellulose, the cell the just yeah, the it's super flammable. Just wrinkled in with heat. No, you know? there's there's a couple of those um, old mediums. I can't remember what it was, and I know somebody's yelling at the speakers right now. It's I think cellulo- something. It is crazy, dangerously flammable. Huh. I think I learned that from a Quentin Tarantino movie. As well as all the documentation contained in the tape boxes, many tapes contained unreleased recordings, outtakes, alternative versions of songs. Released uh, instrumental submasters, multi-tracks, 
created for dubbing and mixed down. Randy Aronson, not Arson, Randy Aronson, manager of the vault at the time, estimates that the masters of many as 500,000 individual songs were lost. Like, we can't, they're gone. Yep, yep, they gone. And uh, with that, Bob continues to do tours and do shows. He sings with uh, RBRM, which is basically Ronnie Bell and, and Biv and DeVoe and Bob, kind of like a new, new edition. So they're out there, they're out there touring. And I got a quote from Bob Brown himself, quote, I could really care less what they think about me, but at the same time, I do have something to prove. What an idiot. Bobby Brown, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I feel a little bit of a, I don't want to say a kindred spirit with the guy, but I feel like, (laughs) no, I mean, he was kind of our age. Tell your wife. No, he was already. He grew up. He was in. He was born in '69. We were born in '70, mid '70s. So. Hey, babe, uh, my new spirit animal, Bobby Brown. <laughs> he is now my new spirit Excuse animal. Excuse me. Yeah. No, I, I think he grew up doing the things that we were influenced by at about the same age as he was doing them. Oh yeah, yeah. He was an influencer before the term yeah. influencer came around for sure. And I know for I sure. bought. I, I'm sure Columbia House, I still owe them money <laughs> for some Bobby Brown works. Got that some I, tapes for a penny. I bet you I had some of his stuff. I know I had some Bell Biv DeVoe, I, 100%. Sure, I don't think I have the tape anymore, but I'm oh, sure man. I never paid, I'm telling you. Yeah. paid for it. If, was... if, if our listeners don't know what we're talking about right now, <laughs> I don't know how you'd even look it up. Look up Columbia House, Columbia House record deal. Record deal. Back in the day. 25 Cassettes for a penny? You'd open up any Red Book magazine. Any <laughs> Now you have to explain Red Book. Any, any magazine, and you would there get you like a little insert. That was like a little postcard size thing that was inside there. In your teen beat. In whatever. Time magazine. And you would Rolling fill Stone. out your name, your address. And you didn't even have to put like credit card information down. No. No. And then you checked off 10, 15 different albums. And you popped that baby in the mail. Tapes. And you signed it. And and they'd send you a bunch of tapes, fifteen of them. Boom! Nice, awesome, big box full of legitimate, yeah. good, awesome tapes. Yep. But what you probably realized but didn't care about is they would say you had to buy fifteen more at list price. You just signed up for a subscription. Yeah, and they'd send you a new tape every month. And if you didn't want it, you had to send it back. But mailing shit back then was much more complicated than it is today. <laughs> Very much. And if you didn't mail them back, you were on the you were on the hook for at least buying fifteen more at like ten bucks a pop. You had to physically write for your unsubscribe button. Yeah, you had to write. You <laughs> like had to letter. write return to sender. Don't open the box either, man. No, they know. You could kind of peel. You didn't know what you're getting either. Not which so ones. So you could kind of peel it back and go, "No, nah, I don't want that one." If you open the box, you're pot committed. You had to pay for that shit. Wow. And here with the loophole though, this the loophole <laughs> was if you were under, I think, eighteen. Yeah, you're minor. You're a minor, and they could never really come after you. At least that's what my friends told me. I never paid the bills. No, I heard they lost a lot of money doing that. Yeah, it was dumb. I think they were just, I think they were probably. music group and all that stuff. Yeah, and so I had so many. I got so much Aerosmith. I got so much White Snake from them. What was your first tape that you remember buying? Oh, 100%. I know it was Michael Jackson Thriller. Oh, I think I've mentioned on this show. Jay Giles Band. It was. I I purchased it with my money. I think I had to have my, my, my mom and dad go get it. Like, go in the store and buy it for me. I'm not. I feel like I got it out of one of those scholastic book sales at school. Remember, like, once a month they would come around with that paper magazine, like, what books do you want to buy? Like, well, whatever. no, they did the and thing. I thought they where... had tapes. 
we had to sell magazine subscriptions. Oh, and then we get the pick tapes, and then we could get prizes, and then or, or you could sell magazines or Our, it music. Was it was something like that. Yeah, because I, I remember got, that's how I bought I, the Jay Giles band tape. No, my first, my first Centerfold. was was when Michael, whenever, whatever year, maybe the very year after Michael Jackson's Thriller came out, I got that thing. Yeah. And then my second one was a White Snake album. All right. And then all the rest were whatever BMGs. <laughs> so many. Just taking these. Oh my God. Good luck prosecuting a minor large corporation in the 80s. I don't think I had any Jay Giles, but I know I had a lot of, uh, no, actually I got all the, um, Oh, the drummer, um, Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. Genesis. Yeah. All the Genesis came from my no, uncle after no. he died. And I'm quite sure all those came from BMG that he scammed. But oh, whatever. Sure. <laughs> okay, that's Sorry, my last Michelle. burp from Michelle. And because we've done that, we're going to head out of here today and say thanks for listening. If you guys want to uh, contact us, we are on all social media platforms at Crime and Music. Crime in, I-N, Crime in Music. And, uh... Man, listen to us on podcast Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, um, Castbox, Castro, uh, SoundCloud. Man, I could do this all day. But uh, check us out at crimemusic.com if you have any other questions. Leave us a speakpipe voice message. We'll put you on the air. And like the song says, Bobby Brown, Bell Biv DeVoe, never trust a big button smile. If they're, if they're listening to us, they already have their place they listen to us at.